0: Hey everybody, it's Hit Rewind. Time to discuss two Hitchcockian tribute films from 1984. You can feel the influence all over Cloak and Dagger by Richard Franklin and Body Double by Brian De Palma. Two students in one way or another. One's a protege and one just clearly learns straight from the mask. And I'm your host Michael, Kersey's on the other side, and we're going to discuss these two films. Hey, how's it going? Boy, that was like the most coherent opening I've ever had. I feel like the the opening credits. And then <laughs> uh, I'm using very. Put fairy. that on the Hall
1: of Fame. Man.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm very clunky. No, movie.
1: no tangent this time. It's weird,
0: right? Um, <laughs> so which would you like to start off with?
1: Uh, let's go Cloak and Dagger.
0: All right, Cloak and Dagger. Not actually based on a video game. There was a video game after this, I think, a prototype, but it never came out. Which is interesting to think about the fact that. Most movies with video games have to be based on games that don't exist as games, or or that's not the main point that to make them any good do you ever notice that like if it's actually based on a game it's usually shit but if right. video games are part of the plot like especially if it's a game that doesn't already exist, that's usually why. Yeah,
1: Um yeah, this is definitely. What a, what other movie are you thinking of? Well, I'm thinking. Yeah, uh,
0: I love Tron. I know people hate Tron. I love Tron One and uh, Two. I love Brainscan. Scan. Um, the Wizard is camp, but it's still better than most video game movies. It's not until recently. They but seem it to was be based
1: on than. real video games.
0: Yeah, but I mean, it's not. The plot itself isn't based on a video game. It's about going to compete in video. That's true.
1: Oh, my mind immediately went to War Games, but that was like chess.
0: Kind of, but that's in the, the same wheelhouse. The same war Games probably is the best of the bunch. Yeah, I, don't know, I don't know if that one really counts. Yeah, it's it's, just... it's a loophole. I'm stretching it a bit. But it does yeah. feel like if it's its own property. I feel like there's a couple others and The video games are, are big, uh, a big plot point now. But I do think Cloak & Dagger is one of their ones because it's kind of a side note. The the, the mystery is based on what's in the
1: Right, and I... I got to say straight off the bat, if I was in the ages of 8 and 12, this would be like my favorite.
0: Yeah, this movie. is exactly when I saw it. I think I was 10 years old and they re-ran it on like a Saturday afternoon. And I was like, what is this? It's like a grown-up thriller but with a kid protagonist.
1: Exactly, yeah. It doesn't, uh, I mean, the the violence, There's not. it's not like bloody or anything. But there is violence. There is stakes to it um it's just adult enough for a kid that it's not like out of your mind scary i can't watch this yeah um but not talking down
0: right and that's really hard to do in a lot of these movies uh it's written by tom holland who would have his major breakthrough the next year with fright night um see done uh psycho 2 richard franklin he teamed up again for this and i think that they the character respect they never play it down to make him dumber um I can't think of his name all of a sudden. Uh, the kid who stars in E.T. Who's like in all the Mike Flanagan right now. Henry Thomas. Henry Thomas. Um, I think he is a wonderful protagonist. And it's kind of sad that his career kind of disappeared for like six or seven years. I don't know if he got bored of the whole thing. Or, you know, went off to college and then became an actor like full time later. But it's really just uh, like a handful of movies around this time. And I think this much. I, yes, better than E.T. He is severely.
1: Yeah, I, I thought it was fantastic. I was kind of skeptical about it. Cause I was like, "Oh, it's a kids movie. I don't know, I want to watch it." And then, like, within ten minutes, I was like, "All right, sold. Um, I'm into."
0: Yeah, and it's a lot of it is the mystery, but a, a lot of it also is uh, the subtext: of father, fathers' towards need to be a part of their, you know, their child's life.
1: Yeah, it was a brilliant decision. So I, I guess we should probably explain what the movie is. So basically, um, there is uh, the main character is a kid. Um, who basically is kind of living his own life separate from his father, who's like always working, works at a naval air base, um, and is really obsessed with and this game called Cloak and Dagger. And one of the, he goes out, does he go to drop off the game or pick up? He goes to pick up the game, right? Uh, No, no, no. No, no, no. He went to go get Twinkies. That was right. Right. Yeah. He
0: he was playing a game with someone else with the walkie talkie. It was like, you know, their own spy game. And he ends up in a building where, uh, they He runs into the gentleman who is shot by these agent, the microchips, inside a cartridge of Cloak and
1: Dagger. Yeah, so uh, there's some kind of secret to it, and the kid knows this, but no one will be the kid. And so he, on his own, has to sort of become the the character Jack Flack of uh, Cloak and Dagger. Yeah. Uh, protagonist. But, and he sees the, the the character in the real world and interacts with him. um no one else can see him except for later on but that's kind of a whole nother thing. What it, it, that the, might or
0: might not be i still have never been 100 percent pin that down is it is, is he so convinced in his imagination that it happens the other guy there's something there and that's it I don't believe you actually, he can't, it's not like a supernatural movie where he can manifest.
1: Yeah, so I'm not entirely sure yet how to feel about that. But anyway, it was a brilliant decision. The character Jack Black of his his father looked exactly like him. Yeah, one that and always
0: not, wanted. not Jack Black the actor. It's Dabney Coleman. Who, Debbie Coleman is mostly known for being very humorous, jackass kind of roles. You know, he's usually the jerk boss or, or something like that. And I think this is one of the only times he was ever cast in a serious role. And he gets to be the concerned dead and kind of the, uh, I don't know, kind of uh, hyper reality of our, is that the word I mean? You know better than I am. I using it? Not it. Yeah, um, it, it superego. Oh, wait, which one are you talking
1: about? It, I mean, it,
0: when he's Jack Black, does that represent Henry Thomas's superego? When he's being no, like No, that
1: would that would be his, his, his the impulsive okay, okay. Uh, reaction.
0: Um, but I think he's fantastic in both parts, Bouncy Thomas, and the desperation that this child goes to, and eventually realizes no one to help him. And he's very crafty and very smart in ways of getting away from.
1: Yeah, and what was so, what's so great about it is that really, despite what this movie really is about, is just a, a child coming to terms with his father because the, their mother is gone and they really don't know how to talk to him. Yeah, um, they they can't reconcile that part. That and so that's kind of like what it's about. And it's interesting that Jack Flack, sort of character that he always wanted as a father figure, ends up being his biggest nightmare uh, near the end of the. And And he sort of realizes that his dad really is a hero.
0: Yeah. I think I think the the showdown. Oh, oh, before we, I want to spoil something real quick. So stop if you haven't seen the movie. I think the switcheroo with the old sweet people. <laughs> it was genius. I did not it expect that in
1: any way. Um, yeah, because like you were there in the car, and he's like, "I gave up my good camera for you, kid. This better be good." It's like no no adult would do that for some kid they don't know. And then the reveal when she reaches back and has three fingers. Like, oh, okay, this all makes sense. That was an amazing twist.
0: Yeah, and apparently that's his real life wife. I had no idea who he was. He was a Western hero, I think, in High Chaparral back in the '50s. And uh, that the, the older lady that's with him is his real life wife. I was like,
1: what? <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> yeah, and what I love about it too is that they're 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 spies but they also do have a genuine relationship with each other which they kind of play off of and it, it's both like really funny but also at the same time yes yeah.
0: and they're very good at manipulating the boy yeah but I think I think the stakes are there. And I think that's what a lot of it is. They never there is a tendency in a lot of these. And I include Goonies. And when children are in peril, I feel like the director gets nervous and pulls back a bit. And he starts doing like, you know, stunts that are and sounds make it. Oh, this is safe, kids. And they yeah, really, Like
1: ridiculous contraptions that come out of nowhere.
0: Yeah. And they really don't pull any punches. They treat the audience and, and everything else with respect.
1: Yeah, a kid literally has to shoot and build. Like, I did not think he was going to go there. Did he actually do that? I don't. Yes, I, he did it. He killed a he killed a full grown man. I didn't
0: remember that. I thought that he purposely ran in front of the ammo uh, when the guy opened fire and, and it hit the other.
1: No, that happened okay. too. Okay, and that was like when he was up against the wall. He had a gun in his hand because Jack Flack was like, I got to grab that gun, kid." And then he he has the gun and he's like pointing it at the guy and he's like, "Please don't make me do this." And the guy's like giving a whole speech about what he's gonna do he's gonna oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna shoot you in the knees that's gonna hurt the most and like going on this whole thing is he's reloading his gun and like the situation is getting more and more desperate as he's like almost like cocked the gun uh-huh. and then has to shoot the guy and it's 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 kind of terrifying honestly like that, that that kid sold it
0: did you uh recognize the guy who ran the game store with the glasses the one that was helping him out. very
1: familiar, but I, I couldn't put my phone
0: This is before he really became well-known as like a go-to villain. Uh, he is the bad guy in Stone Cold. He's Lance Hendrickson's right-hand man. Um, he was also in Extreme Prejudice, Out for Justice with Steven Seagal, and he was flat Top in Dick Tracy.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, it's we, William we watched Forsythe. Stone Cold, right? We did watch Stone Cold. We watched it with another movie with him and <laughs> and, and Lance Hendrickson as bikers. And for life of me, I can't fucking remember. uh I don't so was, was I've slept since then, so I forgot. It, about it, it.
1: was that was the, the, the biker combo, right? Right, the yeah, it's movie?
0: it's uh yeah, okay. where Lance Hendrickson and William Forsythe were in both of them. But um I say this is an absolute thumbs up. This is a great lost film of ninety four. No one ever talks about this. I don't think they're in a special edition and it just got buried between all the big hits of summer of ninety uh, 84 book. For-
1: yeah, I mean, if you, especially if you have uh, kids about that age, if this is a great movie.
0: Yeah, it's a real good intro to a different kind of genre. Instead of you know, like if you want to give them a little bit of thrills without them in, in cussing, there you go. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, the other Hitchcock tribute, Body <laughs> Double, the opposite of a family <laughs> kids movie. Brian De Palma originally set out to make an X-rated movie. He wanted a real point with a real plot and murder, him and then it just didn't work out. But boy, he gets close. He rides that line. I'm guaranteeing there's some cuts that had to be maybe an x-ray
1: yeah I can't believe of uh, like not just like the amount of, but just like how much a show kind of
0: a- uh, we have Craig Wasson who most people probably know from Dream Warriors uh, the only starring roles. who and looks
1: so much like Bill Maher that
0: it's <laughs> it does. it's a little disturbing <laughs> um, I actually think he's a pretty good actor I know this movie is intentional camp that's what Brian DePaul Palma went for but I think he picked a couple really good leads everybody else knows that <laughs>
1: Um, no, I thought it was okay. So here's the kind of a roller coaster of, of what happened watching. I started watching the movie just because I had heard about it, and I really like Brian De Palma. And the first like half of it, I'm like, okay, this is clearly a Hitchcock movie, but it really, it, I don't, I don't get it. I like it. It's kind of slow, and it's not. And he, this main character, is so he's so perverted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of making me uncomfortable but then it flips because the last half of the movie after like the the murder happened, it flips everything on its head and it's kind of like a commentary on these movies where like, he gets called out it's like why are you watching them? Like you're a pervert. Yeah.
0: Well, there's there's that whole trend in the '80s of ooh titillating voyeurism, like in Porkies and Revenge of the Nerds and stuff like that. And like it was supposed to be cool. And he basically calls that out as like it's not cool. It's disturbing. And people shouldn't do it.
1: Yeah. You're you're the opposite. Of, like you're you're not cool. You're you're. It's not sexy. It's really disturbing.
0: Now this is a line that he rides is is our protagonist a hero or not? Is he, uh, a, just a, a, like a loser's sleazebag who just happens to be in these situations where he, he does something right.
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't, I, it's hard to find redeeming qualities about him until like the very end. Yeah.
0: But I say this, his ass does run all the way down those hills. He could have ignored all of it, but he runs down there and tries to save her. And he does, you know, the whole tracking, you know, trying to stop her from being attacked by someone else. Um,
1: but doesn't she end up, like, saving him? Like, isn't he kind of... Didn't she kind of save herself? Well,
0: not Melanie Griffith. Um, Deborah... I don't remember. Um, the the main girl with the, the glowing eyes. Whoops. Uh, Deborah Shelton. Um, she's the one who you know he's uh, initially attracted to and following you know, through the whole mall sequence. What I thought was brilliant was that tracking mall sequence was oh, so well so done. Good. Yeah, and, so good. Yeah, and you know, and then they have that moment where he gets mugged and he, they introduce his vertigo again, which is a classic. Not vertigo, claustrophobia, which is a classic Hitchcockian kind of twist your protagonist has to have some sort of fear that uh, he has to do and. Um, and then she's the one who gets murdered with the fucking drill.
1: <laughs> wow yeah. What, yeah, again, what's fantastic, too, is kind of like the the way that the movie mirrors itself at the halfway point is that he is kind of paralyzed by the situation and comes too late to save her at the, and save, the save the save the the woman in the first half. Of the movie. Uh-huh. And the second half is kind of like kind of redoing. The movie over again, but him actually being right.
0: Yeah, it's it's a, a fun balance because the person he sees isn't the person he sees, it's Melanie Griffith uh, being hired by uh, Greg Henry. These are all spoilers. Greg Henry, um, who is a fucking gold star winner of this whole genre. Every time I see Greg Henry, I know that I'm going to get a really cool sleaze bag. I think my favorite performance is in Slither when he's, like, the mayor. I just want a goddamn Dr. Pepper! <laughs> <laughs> All my friends are dying. I just want a Coke or something. Whatever he said. Um, but I think he's really fine. And it, 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 once you know the whole plot, it's obvious he's setting him up. Like, you go back and watch it a second time. You're like, yeah. wow, he's really too overeager, eager uh, trying to get into this house. To barely known from an acting class. And um, and then, of course, the, yeah. the, the, the American uh, – uh, seems really obvious later, but at first you don't know what's going on. It's very interesting like who wait what the pieces line up pretty well Some of these mysteries. There's lots of plot holes. I think Brian De Palma as much as he was purposely trash
1: I think so too. There was a lot of deals about the whole setup that but at first, it makes sense. To think about it. I'm like, okay, yeah. That, um, but like, he when he brought him into his house, first of all, if that's weird. Why would you do that? To and then that they explain that, and then he is the one that shows him the um, the um, the telescope. Right. And it's like to, to look here because he knows that he's like lonely. A bad breakup. That you know he wants a rebound. And so here's a sexy lady that I hired to dance sexy for you. Basically, he didn't say that. I'm gonna hide that from but that's what you learn later so that way he'll like keep going every and he says it happens every night at this time and at first you think like oh okay well he's just a pervert but no he's like purposely setting him yeah. and so that that's it gets it's just really interesting
0: and I, I love the bearings i i i myself am claustrophobic and i was panicked when he did that so i think it's really good of the, fil- the filmmaker to make me feel like i'm also trapped in that ground
1: yeah uh also got to say that the music video sequence movie (laughs) is worth the price of admission alone it is fantastic it comes kind of out of nowhere yeah you don't really expect him shooting a porn film to be a music video but it kind of just ends up being that way and it's incredible
0: yeah, and at the time, that was really, really taboo. It was always on the fringe. In the 70s, there was a brief moment where all, it was like that porn yeah, was happening. Yeah, throat. Yeah, and then, and then uh, you know, by the era, kicking and prudish, and they're starting to ban records. So for a studio, Universal Studios paid for a well-known director who had just come off Scarface to, to to make a movie that has so much of the porn world in it. I mean, that is critical to the mystery. um, was a bold move. It didn't make any money, but it was a
1: Yeah, and also the, that it wasn't seen as... I mean, necessarily he's being profane because he talks to her. I mean, like the, the sex that they have in the movie is more like romantic than anything. Right. And then also just kind of, you know, talking to her afterwards is sleazy. He's trying to get information and she seems like a person. Um, who's just like having a bit of fun by like dancing naked for yeah, yeah. Uh, for his uh, mute smiles. like she does she's not a stereotype in it.
0: No no I think this is Melanie Griffith's really like her breakthrough because after this she starts getting pretty big or you know big movies like something wild and working girl and uh, Cherry
1: 2000 oh, Cherry that, that was actually earlier
0: wasn't uh it. it's it's, a, it's a between um yeah this is kind of like shows that shake what could have been a one note role and really
1: uh, yeah I wasn't expecting I wasn't expecting her to be such a character Based on usually how Warner treated on film,
0: and and Brian De Palma does have a thing where look he so much not so much lately because it's hard for him to get a green light for the last decade on anything a ten million dollar budget. But there was a time when he a big budget and then he would go off and do a lower budget. It was kind of wild and crazy because you know he does this and then right after that he has to Untouchable, a studio film. Then he does Casualty of War, which was a very hard to watch movie. I can't remember what he did after, but then somewhere in there he has Rain Kane. Have you ever seen Rain? I have not camp have to. to the fucking it That's is. the
1: one uh, where he is like raising a kid right Yeah, he has sp-
0: he has split personality. It's he special. just goes uh, John Lithgow just grabs the sius it up and, t- and spits it up. Um but he and then of course because of that bombed he had to go impossible so he bounces it in and out I think Black Dolly did Um but there was a time when if you wanted a a, a good sophisticated thriller you went to Brian De Palma
1: I mean he's kind of he's kind of getting it back too there's uh, what was the movie that he made very read that <sighs> a I can't, lot
0: of plans. I can't remember. The one with the guy from Game of Remembers. Um, but yeah, Domino, I think it was, was it, it was called?
1: No, not that one. The, the one, uh, about the, the nun that has like, uh, mental problems on huh? something? Oh. I don't know this one. Are we talking... Oh, about, you know
0: where's this Paul Verhoeven? I know Paul Verhoeven movie. With oh, Duns. is it Paul Verhoeven? Yeah. Be the, with those two and Paul Schrader, they kind of play... Well, uh, obviously Verhoeven usually messes around with like budgets, But like the three of those guys are always with Paul Schrader. De- definitely. Um, hmm. But yeah, but De Palma at the time was the go-to guy for, hey, risk-taking. And I think this might be my favorite of that bunch. I mean, of course, I'm a, a mainstream suck-up. Untouchable, my favorite. Uh, but Body Double is so... See, that's
1: what I think I double is way better yeah. and i own untouchables i don't i'm not i don't hate the movie or no anything.
0: but i'm a sucker and for I, mainstream untouchables big budget also,
1: yeah. untouchables is also great because that is also kind of an inversion of the genre of uh for cops yeah
0: kind of thing. but i find what whatever's on his mind with body double is more interesting yes
1: that is something that i would like to know more about
0: yeah um there is a really great. Uh, international blu-ray i I gotta remember it has so many bonuses at the time of making it and then in retrospect looking back on 30 years later um in commentary tracks and i think it has um i'll try to remember what company i got that link for because i got it really all right, so that is it for 1984. We are officially moving on to 1985 where we'll be ta- discussing demons and demons too. Yes, and it was, but why not do...
1: And, and since it came out in 86, it made 85.
0: Yeah, ooh, loophole. I guess we can start yep. breaking those rules. Um, so that is it. Check us out on Facebook under Hit Rewind Podcast. And everybody, have a good night.
1: Good night, everybody.
0: Sorry, before we go, I forgot there is one thing I wanna say. Body Double was not successful on at the box office, but it blew up on video. It's massive. And
1: I mean that makes sense.
0: Yeah, That's it's fun. one of those things I think people are kind of embarrassed to go see in theaters. Plus eighty four was so huge. Um yeah, there and is, I'm
1: sure it had a reputation at the time for being right. Or well, I mean, porn so people are like, oh, I can't, I can't let people I saw that right.
0: And there's also like, you, it's harder. To, you want to get your jollies, you watch movies like this in the '80s where you can get nudity and a story. Whereas porn was really, you have to go into a different room to get porn. You can't just download it on your phone like the way it is now. But it launched a whole genre, and no one ever talks about it. So for the next decade. There was so many movies that were influenced by body double. I mean, literally movies called Body Chemistry, Bedroom Eyes. Um, I could go on and on. All oh, had like Sean Tweed and, and even Deborah Shelton, who isn't naked in this movie, but she would appear in a bunch of movies uh, throughout the years where it was, that was a selling. Um, but this is, there's a whole decade after one film that made eight million dollars. Okay, now I'm done. I'll shut up. Yeah,
1: I would do. We'll say that, like, now the landscape has really changed because now if it's like, oh my God, this is basically porn, they're like, oh, this must be like a really uh, fancy foreign film. Let me go see this and tell everyone.
0: Yeah, well, these <laughs> movies, those sexual thrillers died around 2000 when streaming. You know, like at least it was low res, but you could get porn a lot easier. The whole franchise, the whole the whole wave of those direct-to-video movies died. But for 15 years, you had stars of that genre. You had a section of sexual thrillers, and it's, it's kind of funny looking back because there are some gems in that crap. <laughs> there are a few to dig out that are good. Okay, now um, I'm done. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs>